Yeah, a week. Uh, well, you know, it's good. So my it's my grandmother, she she uh, finally uh, passed away this week, as uh, we discussed. You know, as we talked about it, she uh, hundred and five. You said she would have been hundred and five in October. Yeah, she was hundred and four. Yeah, I was thinking about that this morning about your grandmother and how old she was when she passed. And the thing I thought about was in nineteen. She was a she was born around nineteen fifteen, right? And so yeah, she I mean, lived from the silent era when there was no such thing as sound yeah. to the present area where there's streaming services everywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Obviously. I didn't you, realize they didn't have sound back in the 1915s. Oh, no. And every, everybody had a sign language, everything. We didn't have vocal cords <laughs> until one day. I just thought people carried placards around. Yeah, yeah, we were a very non-vocal species <laughs> until very recently. So it's a, it's it's well, it's, it's proof because of the movies. It shows that we yeah, talk. no, Charlie so. Chaplin. I was like, and then nope. he kind of learned how to speak. He he, he learned how to. We evolved sound pretty quickly. We evolved very quickly. <laughs> yeah, it was weird. We evolved very very fast. Hey, anyways, we should probably get this going here. Um, people don't want to hear about uh death i don't think uh so let's instead of talking about death dan uh what are we talking about this week well joda given uh what happened with your grandmother this week and you know to queen elizabeth uh, i think it's actually appropriate that we talk about death organizational leadership okay (laughs) it's everybody's favorite topic death 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 yes i don't know maybe we'll make it some more teenagers listening because teenagers like death should we have like a like a like a scandinavian death metal intro to this show then oh yeah it well, could be, or maybe more of an Igmar Bergman. We could do this whole episode in black and white. Yeah. Know, I like uh, that. Oh, yeah. I think I got a mask here. The seventh seal type thing. We could play chess. Yeah. You know, well, the, who knows? The, I mean, we'll be like, uh, people will, we, you or the audience will know what we've done in post production because we haven't done post production yet. So we'll see what we do here. So, yeah, we'll throw some Igmar Bergman in there because uh, Jonah knows how much you like Igmar. Yeah, I love being fired. Well, that's a different discussion. Yes. Anyways, this being our 100th show, um, I'm sorry, not our 100th. I think was our ninth show, maybe tenth show. I have no idea. Uh, I just Who's wanted to accept our one listener. <laughs> yes. And Anyways, thank you. we are going to talk thank about you. death. Yes. yes. Thank you. You're keeping us from dying. <laughs> yes, you're paying our rent. This is amazing. I don't even know how you're doing it. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. There's, we don't even have a Patreon. But um, yeah. yeah, so we're going to talk about death today. Um, and, you know, death um, makes people a little bit giddy because it's sometimes an uncomfortable topic. Uh, it's something that we don't talk about a lot um, in our lives. You know, uh, you know, we. when was the last time you see a, seen a hearse around? Uh, on the street, you know, we kind of mask those vehicles that transport bodies. We kind of uh, sanitize the whole death uh, experience in our culture. But it's actually a really important topic, uh, especially for organizational leaders, because it's something that you don't get trained on when you're uh, coming up through the management ranks, you're doing all your professional development, or you're pursuing a degree in management. They don't, they don't have like death 101, you know, how do you manage death? Um, so that's what this podcast is going to be about today. And we're going to talk about in the first section, just generally, you know, uh, how death can impact the workplace and what you can do to address, uh, situations where a colleague or an employee may die. Uh, and how, how, what is your role as a leader to manage that situation? Uh, and the second section of this episode, we're going to talk about terror management theory, uh, which is one of my most beloved theories. I, I love it because of the existential quality of terror management theory, and it brings social science into it. So we're going to talk about that and talk about it as a framework that leaders can use to make sense of how they should approach death, uh, you know, in many different forms within their organization. And that brings us to the third section of this podcast episode, which is going to talk about Death within organizations, but not with people, but within programs and departments and and other types of organizational death and how, as leaders, we can manage those situations better. So so how does that sound, Joda? Can I come back next week and join a different conversation? I guess not. Yeah. All right. Let's do this. All right. So, Joda, uh, as an organizational leader or department head, um, 
I've had to unfortunately deal with the uh, multiple employees passing away over the years. Um, and it's always a shock. It's a sad situation. And, um, and there's a lot of different things that, you know, go into that situation because it's a very delicate situation when an employee or a colleague passes away. And especially if you're in a leadership position, because people are looking to you to help manage the situation. And there's family members who are going to be looking towards you because they're going through a grieving process. Uh, And the, the employee obviously had a relationship, an important relationship with the institution or the organization on which they worked. So that's an important point to keep in, in mind. And then um, the staff also have uh, relationships with the person who's passed away and they have grieving and uh, emotional things to work through as well when something like this happens. So, you know, uh, it's not something they teach a class on. You know, if you go get your MBA or your a degree in nonprofit management or higher education leadership, there's no class, you know, death, managing death 101. Uh, it's not there. So I know I, based on my experience, I've got, you know, it's a few pieces of advice I, I could think of to share with people if they're in a situation where they have an employee who's passed away and they need to navigate those, those treacherous waters. Yeah. Waters. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I've, I, I think, you know, if we've been around for a while, we've, we've experienced that. Um, I don't know. I mean, for some people, probably depending on the job, um, maybe more often than others. Um, and it's interesting because I'm wondering like in the past, if like, if that was even within the realm of an organization, even, you know, kind of give a shit, you know, I mean, you know, 20, you know, hundred, hundred years ago, uh, when my grandmother was born, uh, yeah, um, yeah, were, yeah. were organizations like even, uh, you know, someone died, you know, on, on the, on the conveyor belt. <laughs> I mean, unfortunately under certain circumstances, it was literally, you know, uh, brushed under the, under the table to some degree, you know, and we expect, well, a think- lo- no, I was gonna say, we yeah. expect a lot more from our, from our organizations today. And, and I, I, not only are we expecting, I think, I think to some degree, they're even imposing, imposing is not the right word. There's been a, a development of kind of seeing your organization as an extended family. They've, uh, at least in, in the, in the product development world that I've been in for software, there's sort of like that sort of, Hey, we're a group. You don't ever have to leave the office. Here's a bunch of snacks. We care about you. We're thinking about the bigger picture of you uh, from a, from a holistic perspective. So this death question it's interesting. It doesn't come up more to some degree, right? Because of the, the nature of the way business is sort of conducting itself now. Yeah. Well, I think, like I said, I work in higher education, as you know, and um, that's a lot. A lot of that's about building community, um, and especially I work at a community college, so that's definitely about building community. Um, and and so we have that same metaphor around the the organization being kind of like a family. I don't know if I agree with that. I think there's some dangers in that, but I think that's for a different podcast. Yeah. 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 No, there are dangers. And I I can't speak to the past, you know, but I definitely feel in the present, there is that expectation that the organization or the, the supervisor is, uh, or the leader of a, a organizational unit is going to participate in, helping with the the grieving process. Uh, and I think that comes from both the family and uh, the, the, the people within the organization. So, and I will just, you know, from the, I'll chunk this out. So there's the family part. And I guess it really depends on how deeply the person in the organization, the person who passed, how deeply they connected with the organization. Because, you know, if they're only there a few months, it's going to be one thing. But if they were there for, for many years, um, that's a whole different story because they have deeper relationships. They had a deeper commitment. And, uh, their identity was more deeply connected with uh, the organization. And Joda, we've talked a lot about how you know people spend almost 70% of their lives at the workplace. So it does become deeply entrenched in their identity and how they see themselves and um, how they construct meaning about their lives. So I think so I think that makes sense. Um, and the one piece of advice I would, would maybe even just a warning to folks, if you're dealing with something like this, you know, you're going to be exposed to things 
from the family because the family will ask you to participate and you're going to learn things about your employees that you that might shock you um, because there's there's the persona that they bring to the workplace but then there's the family dynamics uh, that they might not have been bringing to the workplace that you're going to learn about and it's in some ways I have been shocked um, about some of those fi- family dynamics it's been surprising at times um, I don't want to get into details here but no no please tell more. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, some of, sometimes it's very sad. Uh, I mean, I will say I had one employee who passed away, um, you know, unfortunately she lived alone and she was by herself. She didn't have strong ties to her family. And then when I talked to her family after her passing to kind of sort out some things, um, you know, I learned about why that was some of the stressors in their her familiar relationships. And when I learned some things about her past that made a lot of other behaviors that she had expressed over the years click into place. Um, So you get, you get some of the exposition about who a person is when something like this happens, which is interesting. But again, you know, I've been asked to speak at funerals and and things like that for staff members. And you, you know, you want to take some time to think about, uh, the good things they did, the positive things, the the things they contributed to the organization. You also want to think about um, you also want to think about stories that will connect everybody to that person because the person you know I we all have shared experiences with people and how they behave and how, you know, their quirks and their characteristics. And you want to highlight the the unique things about the person in a positive way uh, when you're speaking about them. And, you know, I think it's also important as an organizational leader to create space for the grieving and the storytelling that needs to happen uh, after a person has died, because um, people need that. People and and I think how you as a leader demonstrate the care with which you approach the situation signals to everybody else in your unit that you're leading how you really feel about them, right? Because if they see you dismissing somebody and just kind of walking away after someone's passed, they're gonna say, "Well, damn, Dan doesn't really give two two whacks about me, <laughs> right?" Or anybody. So. You really do need to, to demonstrate. It's kind of that leadership walking the walk, right? You want to show that people are valued and that you care about them and that they there's purpose to the work that they're contributing to your organization. Yeah. Those would be some of my thoughts on that topic. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And, you know, the, people handle death differently, you know? And I think it's important that we... Um, that one acknowledges that probably in, in general and, of course, around you. And if, from an organizational, organizational perspective, um, a death can, there's the human side um, of the experience that, Dan, you're kind of highlighting, um, where you want to um, be considerate and caring, you know. And, and that's sort of slightly anathema to, again, from a classic organizational system that its bottom line is probably has nothing to do with necessarily you contending with someone's death, but where organizations are run by people. And so I think there are some things that in an organization that you should, you should sort of consider when someone dies in, in, in a structure. Um, and one of them would be to be aware of each other when, when someone dies, you know, whether the person has been with the company for a day or a year or 20 years, again, everybody handles it differently. We'll talk about more about how people handle death, I think in a little bit, but to understand that, so just be aware of each other and be be considerate and and and, and check in on people. And then the second thing would be to um, uh, accept that work may be affected from a manager perspective, right? I mean, oh yeah, the work's going to be kind of affected, and be willing to accept that a little bit. Um, to Dan's point, you've definitely got to contact the deceased family if they die on premises. Uh, <laughs> well, uh, that goes without saying. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, who knows, right? Again, I mean, back in 1920, I'm sure a body just kind of disappeared sometimes. And people was like, where's Bill? I don't know. He was on the... And then, um, and then, you know, 
Dan, as a leader, you often need to attend the organi- or organize a memorial service. And it might be separate from the one thing that the family's holding. But internally, you might to do some remembrance oh, yeah. of people. Because um, if you don't do that, and like I said, if you are, let's just say that you are evil and you don't have a soul and don't have a heart, do it anyways. Because you need to at least let the people grieve. You know, let them know. If you don't for at least let them think that you care, you can definitely start to lose people's um, um Enthusiasm, uh, enthusiasm right? about, the, about the company and about you as a leader. So yeah. I'm, I'm hoping you have a heart, but you know those are kind of some things to think about. Yeah, yeah, and I think uh, to that point, you know, the memorial service is is important and having that space even at the workplace that's separate from the family, um, and to attend the funeral if you can, uh, and you know sometimes again the family if the person had a really deep connection to the organization it was very meaningful to them. It's, which can happen in the nonprofit sector because people aren't motivated just by money to be working in education in the nonprofit. There's kind of a spiritual, personal mission for them often. Um, and so there's a much deeper connection than, say, if somebody's working at, I hate to use this as an example, but, you know, working at 7-Eleven, right? We're working as a cashier. That still might be very meaningful to them, but it's probably not the same as if somebody's working with the homeless or, um teaching people or tutoring folks and stuff like that. Um, So, and I think the other point is besides the memorial and and making that space and giving people a chance to share stories and listen, um, also recognizing that that person, if they've been around long enough, they become, they are immortalized in a way within the organization, at least for a time after their passing, because they're going to become part of the folklore of, the organization, right? People still reference them later, you know, and what they've done. And this is how this person did it. And, oh boy, I miss that. You know, it is always amazing to me, even because, you know, as a manager, I'm often the the primary place where uh, complaints land. And so after, after you pass away, people like the things that you, that you, you did that annoyed them, it becomes like this, humorous characteristic after you've passed away right every you know uh it's an interesting phenomena to see that that change and the way they they talk about you know people talk about people who've passed is a uh, very different than when <laughs> than when they're alive sometimes that's right and again i mean it's, it's very since yes that's yes and back to the back to the sort of um uh, resource allotment or you know the mechanics of operations due to the death you know you need to with with care and understanding you need to you need to um what was that you need to understand that um you're going to have to be moving some things around probably and uh, this won't be easy and you're going to be asking people to fill in the shoes probably of this person who died in one way or another pick up a job pick up a, a project that they were working on and that's going to occupy their uh, occupy their desk. That's going to add some anxiety, a little bit of shocks. It confusion. could. It could. I mean, some people might be willing. I didn't like that person anyways. Good riddance. Yes, yeah. I finally got or my they office. Didn't know them, or they yeah. didn't know them, and they're they coming didn't know in them. cold. That's right. That's right. That's you right. Know? So it, it depends. But my point being is, it, all I'm saying is, as a leader, you need to be sensitive to that. Or if not yeah. a leader, just one of the one of one of the coworkers, be sensitive to these scenarios and. Uh, and eventually you all will get through it. You know, I mean, obviously we always do. You get on with getting on. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. It's always a sad experience, but it is something that probably will happen to you as a leader. If you're in, uh, in a uh, leader, if you're in a management or leadership position long enough, someone's bound to uh, pass away. And, uh, you know, there are resources to help you definitely consult with HR, you know, and how you should handle it. And above all, just be, be empathetic and listen and create space for the grieving process to happen. And there is a reason why uh, we are impacted by death. And that's what we're going to talk to talk about in the next section of the podcast, where we're going to tackle terror management theory. So Joda, when I mention terror management theory, what do you think of? Um, terror management theory. Think of a very cruel, cruel manager who likes and gets off on 
creating horror for his or her, uh, his or her <laughs> kind of like a grim, masochistic, <laughs> torturous. What the, what the hell? Is in a black suit and terror. <laughs> man- Sounds like a movie. Terror, terror management coming to a theater. <laughs> It's a- yeah, well, it's kind of a misleading name, unfortunately, because it's not really it has nothing to do with management. It has nothing to do with organizational leadership or business or nonprofit management or anything like that. It's really about managing your own existential terror. And Joda and I have a lot of experience managing our existential <laughs> terror. <laughs> I'm managing it all the time. Um, so yeah. that's what it's really about. So, I mean... Uh, it comes from uh, – it's based off the writings of an anthropologist by the name of Ernest Becker. He wrote a couple books uh, before he died prematurely. He died pretty young. Uh, but he wrote a book called the, Don- the, the, the Denial of Death and the Birth and Death of Meaning and maybe some others uh, where he kind of encapsulates his theory about – what would become terror management theory? Because his ideas were kind of more theoretical in nature and then some uh, social psychological sciences, scientists kind of got a hold of it and developed TMT through what, what terror management theory often called TMT uh, through some uh, empirical experiments that have really um, proven very interesting and, and um, uh, you know, it's, it's a legitimate theory about, you know, our existential terror existential terror of, of dread okay and i mean like i mean what's yes we have we have fear of dying a lot of us some more yep. than others that's i think that's a given we didn't need him to tell us that it affects the way we make our decisions i don't think we need him to tell us that what what's new here <laughs> well i think what to what always intrigues me about it and um it's actually one of the reasons i teach it sometimes is it as deeply connected to our concept of culture that he kind of provides a nice framework and terror management theory provides a nice framework for how death helps us generate culture and, and culture, you know, we can both come up with some examples of culture, right? Um, Stories and uh, traditions and it's the way that that a group of animals collectively create themes essentially about their existence and yeah and through through activities and symbols and narratives and all those different things flags and whatever it might be that contribute to your sense of belonging to you know a tribe or a group of people the terrible. Towel if you're a Pittsburgh Steelers fan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Waving that around. Um, So that's kind of culture. And, you know, Becker's basically saying, and and the terror management theory folks by extension are basically saying that uh, we get our self-esteem from our culture. It gives us a sense of value and belonging uh, to this place in the world that we exist in. So it's not all meaningless. And that um, when our... uh, mortality what they call our mortality salience is raised and mortality salience is kind of like how aware am i at any given moment of the fact that i'm going to die it's like most of, most of us don't go around thinking of it at the forefront of our consciousness on a day-to-day basis but it's there um and so that's where they get this concept of salience mortality salience and it kind of goes up and down and so if you raise somebody's mortality salience the theory argues that they're going to behave and um, they're going to really engage with their culture and the things that they, that that uh, the culture says are positive things, right? That the, the culture agrees with, right? So, for instance, there's a study that they did with some judges where they gave um, uh, judges some um, – a control group and another group of judges, and they gave them um, – a questionnaire designed and one in the control group was kind of, you know, general, but in the other, the experimental group, they had questions or statements that raised people's mortality salience and, and uh, raised, forced them to think about their own limited existence. And then they asked them a hypothetical question. Like, so um, about a court case in which there was a prostitute and how would you sentence her under these certain set of conditions? And, um, the, the experimental group uh, gave the prostitute a harsher sentence than the control group. And the idea being because prostitution is a transgressive activity, 
culturally speaking for most people that the 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 judges doubled down on those cultural norms and so the theory kind of goes along with that that you become more deeply connected and committed to your culture there's even studies around 9-11 and stuff like that that explore why patriotism rose after 9-11 and things like that and there's lots of stuff about you know other more contemporary things related to it as well interesting it it, it seems it seems a little give me a hammer everything's a nail kind of a bit oh uh, yeah it could be it oh, could very be very suspicious of these sort of reductive theories of all but i'm still not getting the connection here exactly so how does this tie to an organization well, I think from an organization, I think it's a useful framework for managers to think about in terms of thinking about their employees, right? And especially in the context of self-esteem, right? That's one of the pieces that that the culture of the organization helps give the employees their self-esteem and their sense of self-worth and their sense of belonging. And so it's important to cultivate that within your culture. And we, we talk about cultural change within organizations all the time. Like we need to make cultural change, but you have to really understand what culture is and how it's impacting the employees and the culture is ultimately impacting the employees by giving them a sense of belonging and purpose and meaning to their lives. So a manager should regularly remind people that they're going to die so they can be more. No, no, I don't think that. <laughs> you better come to work, otherwise you're going to die. You're going to die one day, Doctor Dan, and you're going to die, and you're going to totally I'm going to tell everyone you are late for work every day. No, um, yeah, but you want to recognize that in the back of your mind, like, okay, just be respectful that you know this person, this this job for many people is very important to them, and that's where they get a sense of purpose to their lives and it's it's not superficial that there is that there can be some depth to the connection somebody has with their work so this is uh, my translation and i and and pardon me for being dense here a little bit but this is my translation and obviously i probably should read this this dr ernest becker um but my, well, tra- I mean, ter- my, my translation is this is this so far that understanding and understanding your mortality adds a level of criticality to the finite moment that you have in this existence and that it makes you invest yourself more into the world around you because of the recognition that it's going to end. And so you're going to put more energy into being because who knows when it's not going to, who knows when it's going to stop. And that when at work, that because we were, as we had a previous discussion around meaning and should organizations provide meaning or be or be part of the meaning structure, I think we kind of slightly agreed that both, yes, on both, that as a manager, a leader, that you need to acknowledge that there that when you're when your workers come to work, it's fulfilling part of the meaning in their life. And that you need exactly. to relate to that because that meaning is derived from the fact that they're, they're afraid they're going to die one day. No, I'm just kidding. But the, but the fact that they, that, that because it's driven by this, this ultimate sense that of needing to have a purpose because um, in the end, nothing has meaning. I don't know. It's something. I don't know. That's it's kind of what my well. Opinion. I mean, why do why do we name buildings after people? I mean, I mean, or why do we put up statues for people or name a classroom after somebody? Right. It, it has to do with that sense of symbolic immortality um, that well, narrative people yeah. are striving for. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, I guess you, I just you, I guess I just don't understand how it necessarily has to tie back to death. But I guess I mean I, I'm not getting the death connection here exactly. I mean, other than that. At this very moment, you know, but other than that, it 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 is a driving force that that uh, that makes humans really think about their meaning on this planet, really, and that by um, jumping onto a culture that it helps fulfill that meaning. It's the narration that drives that meaning. If you didn't have that, then it's, it's the language by which we we construct our meaning, and so that's super important. And uh, managers and leaders need to know that. But fundamentally, it's derived from this sort of sense of mortality. Right. And that that the more people are going back to our previous conversation about how different people react to the passing of a colleague or whatever, 
that can have an impact on their behavior, right? Yeah. So um, because their mortality, their self-awareness of their own mortality is raised. Yeah. And so uh, it's not just about the loss of the employee or the person in their lives. It's also that they're confronting their own existential situation as well. And I think that brings us to, you know, there's a lot of other things you could talk about with in terms of terror management theory that we're not going to talk about on this episode. And we could go deeper into it maybe on another episode. But, you know, tribalism and and how it, you know, it can contribute to some negative things too. It can be, you know, obviously it can be a binding agent that pulls a group together, but it can also make contribute to the idea of in groups and out groups and stuff like that. So, um, which we can talk about in a different episode, but it's something to be, to be aware of. But I think for our conversation today on this episode, it's important to remember that. So, yeah. So it's important to remember that organ, that from an organizational perspective, that organizations change. And so, you know, we talk about, um, cultural change we talk about reorganization we talk about organizational structures that have to be shifted and programs that have to be cut and stuff like that those are deaths too right it might not be a individual passing away but if you think about the organizational culture and and what the organization is to a person means to a person and their role in that organization then then there's a conversation. I, I can see how terror management theory can inform how you perceive organizational change and and the disruptions that can happen when you end a department or have to end a program. Uh, yeah, Dan. Uh, yeah, that's that's interesting because I think organizations have a tendency to ignore this ending phase you know i mean organizations revolve i mean they their purpose is to create right not to not to disband not to to kind of end you know and self-perpetuating right yeah self-perpetuating you know and and i think it's important for organizations to for for a thriving organization to be able to continue to move forward i think it's important for them to know when to let things go and i i actually think that's one of the reasons that corrupt is developed you know i've worked for very large organizations and at some point in time they become so big that they can't actually produce anything anymore they end up having to purchase companies that produce stuff and then they kind of become like these holding companies and there's lots of lots of companies that 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 are in that state and i think one of the reasons because they don't know how to actually close things you know they don't end things and there's a lot of reasons for that which we don't go we won't don't need us to go into but there's there they definitely well i think we've talked about them actually i mean i think that terror management theory we've already said that sense of grief and loss can can contribute to that resistance to to ending something that should be ended yeah but i think there's also business fiduciary fiscal reasons why things don't close yeah. out oh, as yeah. well you know there's there's uh um legal reasons why things don't end there's there's a bunch of reasons right uh oh yeah 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 for things sure we'll continue on but with that said um you know like you said i mean there's there things can can close out, you know, and like death in the family, you know, uh, you know, you can, you can have this kind of very similar relationship to, to the something ending that you've invested your time, your energy, uh, your blood, your sweat, uh, from a company's perspective, your dollars, you know, it's, it's, it's tough to let go. You put so much into it and you can have those same and under certain circumstances, same exact sorts of feelings, those denial, anger, bargaining, depression, acceptance process, you know, and I think most of us probably kind of get through part of that and then just kind of the acceptance part i think oftentimes is the part is the hardest and most people actually don't get through that in an organization you know i think people just kind of live with it yeah and they quit or they sit around bitter they quiet quit yeah exactly Mm -hmm. right uh and so you you, there's there is a weird parallel to to life and death with the organization um uh, and it's important that that eventually you can get past that and and you accept that and you just kind of are able to move forward. But how mm-hmm. do you do that? Right. I mean, how, how do you do that? Um, and as we mentioned, organizations do have their own life expectancies. Projects do have their own life expectancies. One thing I'd like to bring up real quick is that, you know, this whole life expectancy thing or, or death, unlike humans where we don't really have zombies, 
there are zombie projects that probably should be considered dead, <laughs> right? But are still continuing. I, I don't know. I mean, in my experience, I've experienced. I would that. say there's zombie organizations out there, right? Yeah, you know. I mean, I think you see it in COVID, right? I can, I think of you know not just on the program pro, programmatic level, but like um, department stores and Sears and JC Penney's that are were kind of limping to their end, you know, and COVID just changed the conditions of the environment to speed up their demise. Um, and I see it in higher. I feel like as a, someone who works in higher education, we're constantly wrestling with how to shut programs down. Because I feel like we're always in a cycle of death and rebirth in higher education. Like we're cutting programs, we're creating new ones, we're responding to the environment. Because a lot of the, sometimes it has nothing to do with the people involved that causes a program or project or institution to become a zombie. It has to do with the environment's just changed and they haven't been able to adapt or whatever they're they, yeah they haven't been able to adapt to the changing environment and it's no longer sustainable yeah like there's a momentum behind it that momentum is what's keeping it going but it doesn't align and and um a writer for project manager websites um, her name jennifer bridges she has some um, i'll list off what she wrote here she has some stuff that she says are are sort of indicators or signs of of zombie uh projects right ones that should probably Ooh, they're done. This uh, is perfect for halloween yeah 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 yes yes exactly so one is uh when it no longer meets the project project needs such as or the original purpose or the project has changed and it can't be met right so it's kind of doing its thing but it's not actually producing what it was supposed to be doing anymore but yet again it's employing people people kind of going through the through the ritual of of, of continuing going uh the costs are out of control Right. And, and oh, there's yeah. no way to recoup the return on the investment. Right. And, and, and no need for that project to continue to go on. The cost to compete or the cost to complete exceeds the budget and is impossible to cover the difference in the cost. So, again, there's a cost constituency there. The circumstances affect the possibility of completion, such as those listed above. Uh, there are ethical and or legal issues. I think you're kind of kind of bringing that up. And then I, I add one to I added one to the list when the project no longer aligns with the business goals, which I think is exactly what you were just talking about. In the when there's it, the, the the organization has moved a different direction or has made changes, and that project just doesn't map to or align with that anymore, you know. And again, that could go on forever, and that becomes waste. And it's you know you got to recognize that you know sooner or later. Well, I would say you know I mean, and also the environment and the culture has changed around. You know, again, I come from a higher ed background, so I'm thinking of educational programs and how they the needs change and how, you know, in a open system environment, like a, a college or university is like new laws can change the need for a program. Like, so for instance, I'm thinking early childhood education in Seattle, that's a booming program, but that's because uh, laws were passed that required people to get a degree yeah. in that in order to yeah. be able to, to do that. And so that's a, a very clear legal thing that says, okay, you got to do this to get your credential to, to work. Um, Whereas I'm thinking of, um, I'm fortunate I have to go back to the arts and humanities, right? Culturally, that is not as appealing and incentivized in the political arena and the economic arena as much. So you see those programs really withering on the vine, as it were, which is sad because they are important programs. Yeah, yeah. And, it, and it's tough. And, and, you know, like I said, I just listed off some reasons why zombie projects should close out the signals to get that are not always easy you can kind of internalize it but some signals to look for for a zombie project would be the leadership begins to not show up for critical meetings right it, it means it's not really important for them anymore resources begin to dwindle or and are are, are are not easily replaced you know you're not able to kind of collect the resources whether that's money or or people or things like that and peer collaboration becomes increasingly difficult Right. Meaning that it's just but how much of that is the leadership and the people involved. It's not versus it's not saying that that's the it's, it's as those are signals. That's not saying that those are it's correlation necessarily it's causation. It's 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 a signal to say it's the fact that that's what's happening. There's, right. There's so it's a, something to look for because maybe those people involved in the program see the writing on the wall and are, as they say now, quiet kidding. Yeah, quitting, and, and there could be three, say, quiet those three. Those three signals could be indicative of something else too, not of that. 
that. Yeah. I'm just saying those are just something to think about if you're looking at it. And to your point, you know, it, uh, all that, all those three signals might mean to you is that you have to work a little harder to make sure that project succeeds. So it doesn't mean quit necessarily. That's just those are three signals that potentially you have a zombie project. So you've got your dead zombies dead. You realize it's a dead project. It's over. Whether because it's successful, it finished, and you don't need to do it anymore, or it's just not it's not doing anything. It's not doing what it needed to do, right? And you you put it out the pasture. So, you know, like the human world, when we people pass away, you there's there's this there's this process of having to sort of uh, uh, pull things together uh, and and getting on with your life, and you end up having to sort of manage this person, the, the, the dead person's. Um, but assets, you know, and, and stuff like that. And so it's very similar with a project. So projects are, I mean, and, and so when you have a project and when you've deemed it to be finished or closed out or dead, then there are several stages that you have to think about. There are several things and I'll rattle those off. And I got this list from the Asana website. I liked it. It, it kind of aligned with the sort of the, the list I was thinking about. So I just took it from there. And Asana is a project management application. Um, and by, I want to be clear, they have not reached out to us for anything. I just discovered this on my own. So oh, that's what he says. He's yeah. pocketing the money and not sharing it with me. Sorry, Dan. Thanks, Jonah. Uh, so th- there's eight. So basically perform a final test, wrap up loose ends, complete administrative tasks, notify team about next steps, update stakeholders and send a final report, hold a project postmortem and create a roadmap for improvements and celebrate. So I'm uh, I'm going to run through these Dan briefly, but I'm going to kind of stick on the ones that think that are most important for me. And then you maybe, yeah, there's a couple on that list that I want to speak to as well. Okay. So what do you think about perform final? So the perform, so let me, let me qualify perform final test. Perform final test is sort of like you're, um, you're, you're, you're checking to see like if you're, if you're ending it, has it done what it's supposed to do? Right. And so it goes back to, this is kind of like that checking if it's a zombie thing, right? Can you satisfactorily, can you satisfactorily say it has solved or done what it's supposed to do? Has it captured the state of the project? It's, it, 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 you know, so it's just kind of doing that final litmus test of what its state is, right? So. Yeah, 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 yeah. So for I could think, of, for instance, now I'm sure a lot of organizations are shutting down their COVID response programs and their organizations because the environment's changed and that that project no longer needs to continue right laws are changing and you know restrictions are being lightened up so there's no longer a need to have those conversations as much so yeah you start to see that wind down so that's yeah. a very clear the signal's there right it's yeah it doesn't need to continue yeah. and we can argue as, as we can we don't want it to be dismissive that's kind of a crit- critical one in some regards because that's the one that gets missed and then you end up having that project that goes on forever or you're not wrapping up correctly or you're not you're not starting off you're not starting this sort of closure process so it's it's important to start that one off but the next one is wrap up loose ends and that is is sort of typified by are there any outstanding efforts that need to dealt with um there could be sort of things like a a class is in progress you're closing the project but the class has got to end through the semester or uh there's called a teaching out is it called teaching out? Okay, yeah. Yeah, exactly. you, if you shut down a prog- uh, academic program and you still have students in the program, you want to try and set it up so you can teach them out so that they can complete, you know. So. Yeah, so, you know, so that's step two, you know, wrap, wrap, make sure that you've, you've got that and you figured out how you're going to handle that. Uh, the third one is complete administrative tasks. That's the one that really aligns a lot with the like the, the death of a family, right? I mean, you, this is the one where you're going to move assets. You're going to um, uh, check out, you know, how are you going to sell the home? Cancel credit cards. Cancel credit cards, <laughs> things like that, right? And that's a very similar thing for... Make for, sure you write yourself into the will. You, you, you do. You do. You got to find <laughs> a nefarious lawyer and get make sure all assets go to you. Um, exactly. So uh, you want to make sure the project files and assets, whatever, you know, are distributed correctly, updates to documentation, uh, uh, make sure project documents are signed, close out contracts, things like that, right? That's, it's, that's the, it's a completely not fun part. Everybody wants to ignore it, especially, you know, because it's, you just want to move on to the next project. And this just feels like, actually, this dead project won't be yeah, no, imagine it takes a lot of effort to get that stuff done because it's it's the boring, unglamorous, thankless crap that you got to clear off the desk so you can start the next thing. 
Exactly. And, you know, and this is the point where you actually make sure your team members are assigned to new projects. You don't do that. Then they're going to be like, what do we do? We're on this, you know, where are we supposed to go? And you might not have, you know, team members that kind of are proactive and they're going to just actually be resentful that this project's closed and they have no idea what to do next. And again, you're going to lose somebody probably if you don't take care of that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So... That's that's any other, that's the complete administrative tasks. Any, I'm sure you've you know. <laughs> I have nothing else to say about that. I mean, <laughs> my programs don't close. Oh, that's right. That's right. <laughs> you're you're you're, you're, you're an epitome of pure success, nonstop. That's right. No, we've discussed this. Dan is perfect, everybody. And then that's uh, right. That's right. <laughs> number four, no, notif- notify. Talk to my wife. <laughs> oh, she, she's it's it's perfection. Perfection from non-perfection is what she would say, but um, <laughs> notify teams about next steps. That's stage four. So basically, yeah, communication is to- always important. Exactly. You want to. That's. Make- I think. You know, with communication, that's where all the uh, gossip and the conspiracy theories and the misunderstandings get per- perpetuated. Because if you do not communicate, and we'll, we'll say this again and again during this podcast series, if you do not communicate, people will fill the void. With their own stories. And that can cause all kinds of mayhem in your organization. Because nothing spreads faster than a rumor. (laughs) That's right. That can generate a culture that you don't want to, that that you don't want to have created. So uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, Five is update stakeholders and send final reports. And that's not unlike step three to some degree, but basically this is letting your leadership know about, um, the closure, what they can expect, what they can anticipate, what uh, potentially your game plan might be. Um, document. Document, yep, yep. Uh, and feedback from them. You know, you want to get information yeah. from them. This, But this is a stakeholder conversation. Uh, six is hold a project post-mortem meeting. Um, and yes. maybe I, I'm assuming this is the one that you're because interested in. This is what I'm interested in. Um, I have a feeling this one gets short shrift. What do you think? Typically, oh, I it always gets short sh- shifted, right? Or yeah. shifted, or whatever that word is. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I think I always kind of approach things from a metacognitive learning perspective, and you know, in the metacognitive learning cycle, evaluation is always is the key. Is key, right? It's the end of the learning process, and to me, this is about organizational learning. Uh, in our last episode, we talked about sense making organizations, but in, you know, a sense-making organization is also kind of a learning organization. And if you're not setting up systems to learn from what you've done well and what you've not done so well at, um, you're not going to be able to grow and adapt as an organization. So, um, yeah, I think that taking the time to do the evaluation and postmortem is key. Agreed. Agreed. And you said everything I would have said. So we will we will leave it at that. But yeah. So don't don't. Don't not do the postmortem. Always try, always be looking back to see where you're going to go forward to some degree. So seven is create a roadmap for improvements. It's not unlike, it's basically after you've done your postmortem, now you know where to go. You know, you, you've got your information. And so you're going to leverage that data to move forward. And so that's seven is to kind of figure out what's the next thing you're going to do, you know. And again, this goes back to communication to your, your employees and the leadership and your stakeholders. They're going to want to know this. And this is something, obviously this can change, you know, but this, that's what this phase is for. That, and that's phase seven. Mm-hmm. And then phase eight is celebrate. Yeah, celebrate. Yeah, probably another one that is shortchanged. Yeah, agreed. Because usually, especially if it's felt like the, the project was a failure or didn't go somewhere, then you don't want to celebrate. You want to kind of have, but you should have a wake for it. And I think, you know, you can reframe that again, going back to that metacognitive evaluation and thinking about what went right and what went wrong and what you can learn from and where are there, where are there opportunities based on what you've learned? Uh, you can turn that into a celebration. Like it wasn't, it's, you know, it's like I used to tell my kid when he was growing up, it's like the only thing the only definition of failure is not learning from what your experience has been, right? You can, you can fail at all in your mind, fail at all kinds of different things. But if you've taken some wisdom from what happened and learned from it and can make changes based on it, then it actually wasn't a failure. It was just a learning experience. No, exactly. And that was, that was one of the notes I put there, you know, as long as you've collected data, 
as long as you are able to look at that data, there's no such thing as failure. Um, you're like you said, it's just data information and you're, and you're moving forward. If you're not collecting data, then that was your failure was not yeah. collecting the data. That's where you failed. And so. that's something to learn from too. That's something <laughs> Collect that too. data. Collect that data. As we said in another episode again, always be collecting data. Always be collecting data. So, yeah, and I think the celebration thing is about bonding, about relationships. It's a, it's the area, it's a place where the team can commiserate or celebrate. Um, all that's super because that's the part where you get to be human. And let's be honest, Dan, you don't really know somebody truly until you see them drunk out of their mind, and then you know them in, in the deepest way possible. So well, I, I guess I don't know you then, Jonah. Oh, <laughs> no, I know him very too well. Just too drinking, well. I think. Then yeah, uh, no, so, too well. Yes, yeah, always. You know, celebrate. Take any chance you can to celebrate. Life is short. Terror theory. Yeah, yeah. Um, hey, man, terror management theory keeps me drinking. <laughs> uh, and that's it. Um, that's how you handle closure in uh, organization. Um, around your projects you know obviously not a deep dive uh just a whirlwind uh for this 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 uh death episode uh <laughs> since it's big well, <laughs> but uh, we do but, have a couple of takeaways a couple <laughs> good takeaways that i just want to highlight just be uh empathetic when people are going through uh dealing with the death of a, an, a colleague or employee um and are dealing with organization be empathetic uh number two recognize that they're their identity and self-esteem are often tied to the organization or the project, and that can contribute to the grieving process uh, that they are, are going through. Number three, you might make sure to wrap things up. You know, once something ends, it's just like when a person passes away, you have to deal with all the business side of it, too, with the canceling of insurance and um, credit cards and doing the will and executive, uh, being executive of the state. Get that done. And close out the project. And um, finally, create space. And it could be either space for grieving or space for celebration or like awake, a little bit of both. Uh, but create space for people to get together and make meaning of what happened and to process what they have gone through together. So that is our episode of Sense and Signal, the death episode. And um, make sure to like us. Or subscribe to us or follow us, depending on what platform you are on. Yeah. Thanks, everybody. And we will see you next week. Bye. It's not Halloween yet, Joda. Okay. <laughs> I'm still here.